Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, hello everyone. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. It's great to have your company for a very special edition of Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM or on the internet at www.triplehfm.com.au and at any time on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, podcasts.com. Yes, we do tackle some of the serious and not so serious issues on Splinters, but this week... Given that uh, we are covering the fifth uh, playing of the Nathan Gremo Memorial Shield on Sunday, April the 7th, from the uh, Crestwood Reserve at uh, Borkham Hills, we thought it was fitting that we uh, go into what the Gremo Memorial Shield means uh, on a personal, club and league level. And we are absolutely delighted to have none other than Michael Gremo, Mick to his mates, probably Michael to his wife when he's in trouble, the uh, president these days of the Hills District Bulls Rugby League Football Club and Hills Sports Club and the father of the late Nathan Gremo on the bench with me tonight on Splinters. Uh, hello, Michael. It's a privilege to have you on board. Thank you for having us and I very much appreciate the radio station going out of their way to broadcast uh, Nathan's Memorial Shield on the weekend. Uh, it's a great thing for the community. Absolutely. We won't go into too much of the history as to uh, Nathan's passing. We all know what happened there back in 2015, but take us through briefly how the match itself came to be, because it was played very soon after Nathan's passing, or the first playing, very soon after Nathan's passing. You could have chosen a number of local clubs, but Guildford came to the party. Uh, Tell us what happened there. Uh, Yeah, the Hills District Bulls were a great supporter of our family, and especially Nathan. Nathan's got a long history there from when he was born, obviously, but uh, the club got behind it. It was amazing the support that we got from the community, especially um, sporting groups that Nathan was involved with over the years, but uh, the Hills Bulls especially rallied behind with all their members and friends and um, started putting ideas together, and more or less most of it was done um, with us in the background and Paul Griffin um, our, looks after our senior team and club coach he put it together asked Guildford I mean Guildford's a, a very strong club they've yep. always been in the, the Massey and the Shield yep. competitions so you know it was fitting that uh, we ask a strong club like Guildford mm-hmm. and they were more than willing to come on board and they've been of tremendous support each year that we have the uh, have the Nathan Grimmay Memorial Shield so again another big thank you to the Guildford Club. Absolutely, and they've certainly played their part. I'm uh, fortunate enough to actually uh, look at the Nathan Gremo Shield as we conduct this podcast, and the four matches have had uh, various uh, twists and turns. The first match ended in a draw. Uh, 
Guildford won the second match late, uh, but the Bulls have come back with a vengeance in our current holders of the Shield for this match on Sunday, April the 7th, and uh, won well in 2018. How important then is it to this club that this match maintains its status that I think it holds as the premier or one of the premier single events on the second tier calendar every year? Not just for the Bulls or for Guildford, but for the Massey Cup and for the New South Wales Rugby League in general. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's growing, growing legs every year. It's the biggest game at Crestwood. The crowds are getting bigger and bigger every year. It's definitely the biggest game that we have of the season. Um, you've got Nathan's friends, uh, school, family, um, people are coming from everywhere, all over, to come down and watch it. Um, the first one, as you said, was a draw. Guildford uh, scored a try just before the bell and kicked uh, the uh, the goal to draw the match. Um, the Bulls players themselves were shattered at the end of the game. They all played an extremely, extremely good game. As you said, the second game, Guildford uh, got away off that again in the dying minutes of the game, so quite incredible. Trev Shadell on the third um, game, he was the coach at the time. He asked me to speak to the players about Nathan. There was a few new players coming in. Um, How hard was that? <clears throat> Very hard. Uh, I've got to do it this Thursday again. Mick Withers is our new coach. So he's asked me to speak to the players. Obviously, each year you get some new players. We've also got a lot of juniors that have come through. They've been playing since they were four years old at the club. So they know Nathan. Nathan was ball boy for them. So he was a cheeky little bloke, Nathan. So um, he got in their ear and let them know when they weren't playing well and when they were playing well. So, yeah, spoke, spoke to the boys before the game and uh, what Nathan had done. And donated his organs and what he meant to the club and what the club meant to him. So the third game we actually had Heath Lestrange who was a Hills junior, played all his life there, obviously went on to win a Manly Premiership, yep. so, which was quite incredible. Heath, he came back and played that game That game there. The only time Guilford actually broke our line was an intercept try. Mm -hmm. So quite incredible. It's just the grit and determination. Did we deserve to win by that much? No way in the wide world. It was just the players got behind Yep. the whole shield and Nath as a person yep. and I've been very much in the fourth game exactly the same um, that was a tremendous defensive effort last year because Guildford threw a lot at you at times in that match last year they certainly did and I suppose as we all know in rugby league we don't try to overcomplicate it defence wins matches it's yep. as simple as that um, Guildford in the fourth round they had three players with um, more PPI points than our whole team put together um, should have we won that one no on paper that the boys just got together. Um, it's amazing what you can do if you want to play for a jersey or play for something. So quite incredible to watch. How do you feel, not just as the president of the club that you've taken on board now that you may not have or perhaps could not have or maybe in some aspects probably close friends said, Mick, don't do this, but you've taken it on board. How in, how does that make you feel as the president of the club and the father that you have such a uh, an outpouring of emotion initially but a continual support and a continual backing up and defence of the jersey, what Nathan stood for, what the club stands for for this match every year? Yeah, no, it's, it's, as you say, you, you were, use the word emotional, um, extremely emotional. You asked the question before too, what's it like speaking to the boys? 
last year I broke down in tears mm. I was speaking to them um, extremely tough to speak about you know your son that's passed away and um, you know he was my best little mate uh, he was always with me on the weekends uh, his last year of football he was training four nights a week with his mm. team from the year before and his new team mm. moved up a, up a grade so um, you know it's quite incredible especially as a coach you invest a lot of time in kids um, we're not going to make them all NRL footballers um, no. and that's across all sports yep. but you're investing time in the kids to be to let them become better people at the end of the day so it's very satisfying to see that and as president of the club and a board member that's what we try and achieve our new motto is club team player yep. and in that order and the players are all of us in the club everyone associated there and as a board we try to make all the decisions in that order too no no individual is bigger and better than the club absolutely. and no team is bigger and better than the club it has to be club number one absolutely and that's why and I keep saying this to people that the best game day experience of any club at this level of the game is at Crestwood we jokingly call it the Sapphire Lounge with the with the, with the music and the, and the we call that the disco ball and everything else bring your dancing shoes um, I tell you what you're going to need to bring it on Sunday because uh, you've got a lot of things planned tell me about what you've got planned for, for this Sunday outside of the two games themselves yeah I mean we've got the, the jumping castle down there um, each home game too so we try to create a family atmosphere we don't charge gate takings we don't want that we want to encourage people to come to the game not have to actually pay for rugby league so I mean we can only do that through the generous support of our sponsors which are incredible I mean we're competing against other teams like Guildford that have leagues clubs mm. um, yeah so to play this level of football rugby league and any sport we're playing the highest level of sport in the area so we're encouraging not just our members but family and friends to come down neighbours to come down and support the game and uh, try to create quite an atmosphere because it's not just rugby league that the club's involved in it's the number one sport it's the rock it's been the foundation uh, but you have other sports in, in the in, under the umbrella don't you we certainly do so um, we've changed our logo now to the Hill Sports Club because we've got so many different sports under that umbrella it was founded as you say with Rugby League then we've had Oztag which has been an enormous success uh, for the club we've got over 3,000 players there that's developed into representative Oztag so we've got seniors and juniors um, last year we finished second in the state comp this year we finished third in the state cup uh, we just had the seniors on the weekend too that they did very well we've also got touch football and we've got women's rugby league now which is becoming with the team in the new south wales premiership for the first time yes yeah no that was uh fantastic and we've also got the league tag that uh the nrl and Parramatta have introduced which i think is a fantastic thing for both boys and girls yep. uh, it's not a full contact sport and it will help people um yep. get into the game it's a great introduction to the offshoots like rugby league etc all right um we look at uh, we'll talk about this sunday later in the, in the in the program but take it back to yourself from a personal level just for a second and you mentioned how hard it is just even now however many years on to speak to the players about this um there have clearly been some moments where 
um, there've been some good days and some bad days. How important is it, not only the support network of the family, which is a granted, a, a given, but the support network of your fellow board members, your fellow club members, um, and those inside the club that you're closest to, to get you through this last four or five years, because it's flown since what since that day in 2015? Yeah, no, it has flown. Um, I mean, we've tried to do a lot with the community. Um, we spoke to the people at Organ and Tissue Donation and they wanted, um, we asked them how we could help them out because they were, they were fantastic in the whole process that we went through, which we can speak about later. Yep. Um, but uh, the main thing they wanted is awareness, awareness about organ donation. So that's where we created Jersey Day, uh, Nathan's Memorial Shield and different things that schools and people have. Uh, it's fantastic. It, it's a, not a topic that everyone wants to speak about, no. but it's life. Uh, we always put ourselves in the reverse situation. What if Nathan needed a heart to live? Um, I sat there at the hospital. It was a decision that we all four of us made, and we all. That's yourself, straight. your wife, and and your two surviving uh, children, the daughters. Yes, Annalise and Ashley. Which uh, you know, their decision straight away was um, that's what Nathan wanted, would have wanted to do, Mum and Dad. So quite incredible. Um, as you say, the community's embraced it. Our family. Um, we've always had an extremely close family, and you, you talk about um, five years. It, it hasn't got any easier. It's actually got harder. Um, Annalise and Ashley, um, you know, Nathan's not coming home. He's not coming yeah. home. So it has got harder over the years. So we've embraced ourselves with that. And um, I try to keep busy. That's the only thing mm. I can do. So glad that we've got Annalise and Ash. That makes me and Kylie get out of bed every day. I've always liked keeping myself busy. So. And the club's keeping you very busy because... As president, the figurehead of the club, a lot of things start and stop with you for better or worse in the club. Um, people like us in the media, supporters, sponsors, the league, various administrators, all invariably come to you. And that's a massive workload for a club the size of the Bull Sports Club. It certainly has, but with that said, um, it is a huge workload, but the board and the members that we have, especially the people that help every weekend, um, that makes the Hills Bulls and has done so since we started. Uh, quite incredible, the amount of people, the talent that we've got and the people we keep attracting. If we didn't have those people, we wouldn't have a club as big and as good as the Hills District Bulls. What about the area itself? Because this has always been earmarked from day dot, from the 1950s is the growth area of Sydney. It's still growing now. We've got a, a brand new rail system that's about to be opened in the backyard of this club with the Sydney Metro trains. More and more people are making their way out here. How important are days like this to tap into new people entering this area and more importantly, new people not necessarily from a rugby league or sporting background that are making their way to live and raise a family in these parts? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, as the Crestwood area started to get older, the older people, um, I was a bit worried about the club, but you've got new families moving in around Crestwood, Borkham Hills now, and you've got new areas, Kellyville, Bella 
Star. Talawong. Yes, it's it's incredible. And I mean, there's great clubs around the area that we compete with too that um, we want these clubs all to grow because we want a competition at the end of the day. So we engage with the clubs and we work with them. So we're always speaking with the presidents and secretaries and seeing what we can do and helping each other out. I think um, there has to be a competition on the field, but once you're off the field, we like helping anyone and anyone that wants to come to us. We help, and that's just not with rugby league too. Um, my daughters play soccer and netball, so football as they call it. I'm old school, like yes. soccer. Yeah, but yes, the, 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 the purists call it association football, yes. So yeah. that's yes. a debate for another day. It certainly is. Um, what about, uh, you mentioned attracting some of those uh, new people to the game uh, and the competition. Other areas of Sydney are now struggling in not just rugby league, but in a lot of sports. You know, we'll be discussing on another podcast the fact that the Manly North's A-grade competition has now officially died. They have had to absorb themselves into the ICC for the first time after 75 years. How important is that relationship with those other clubs through games like the Gremo Memorial Shield to keep the game growing and not fall into the trap and the problems that other areas are experiencing in Sydney now? I suppose that comes back down to the management, doesn't it, and the people that we put ourselves around. Um, As I said before, coaches, trainers, um, the people that are working in the club, they're all volunteers. You need to get the right people around you, and that just seems to generate the players to actually make them come to us, and the good people, we attract good people. So, you know, it's a credit to everyone in the club on how they conduct themselves, and as we say, with that club team player, that includes everyone that's parents and behavior of how they treat social media how they're talking with their children how they're treating other people on the sidelines so it's something that we try and encourage do we get it right all the time no we don't um no one ever does but it's something that you have to encourage to try and work and i suppose that's where you keep attracting well if you don't reach for the stars you never get off the ground do you that's the most important thing Let's get back to Sunday then um, before we take a break and get into things like Jersey Day. Um, It's been an interesting start to the season uh, for the Bulls. Um, The South Sydney arrangement came reasonably late. The signing of Harry Saker was a key signing. And it's been a mixed start to the season. Very disappointing on opening night against Mounties. Tremendous performance against Wentworth Phil in round two with Harry Saker's kicking game dominating and winning the game against the double defending champions going for an historic three-peat. And then last week against Penrith Brothers, um, the defence left a lot to be desired in leaking eight tries. It's been a mixed start to the season. Will Sunday be the catalyst to perhaps start a bit of a roll here? Um, definitely, I think so. Um, I was in the change rooms out at Brothers on the weekend. We didn't deserve to win that game. We weren't hungry enough. Whether it was complacency, I don't know. Mick Withers, the coach, he spoke about that before the game. But just with the boys and their heads down and Tim Robertson, our club captain, speaking with the boys, they know they weren't um, on par. And 
brothers deserve the win. So the boys will be back. Don't you worry. As I say, they've got something to play for in their jersey this week. So quite incredible. The win against Wenty, um, that was a great game of footy. Mm. Wenty and Hills have always had an arch rival. Big um, brother, little brother, all of that. Yeah, back when we were playing, we always always had that. But uh, when we get off the field, we're all mates. So, yeah, quite good. Mounties go back to the first game. Um, the, the competition, it's improved again. It's, mm. uh, it's quite scary. Um, every year it seems to improve. More players are coming back. The talent pool, oh. how they're training. I mean, you see it every weekend broadcasting. Yep. It's quite incredible. And, and we're yet to see sides like Asquith who have recruited incredibly well and have got a side on paper which are world beaters. Uh, and then you've got the X-Factor sides like Glebe Burwood who were desperately unlucky. Probably should have won that competition last year if not for a, a fatal uh, moment late in a preliminary final uh, at the hands of a match official, which we've done to death here on this podcast. Uh, but how important then is it getting back to, to Sunday to get back on the rails just in the just in the short-term scheme of things because you've got a reasonably mixed run over the next few weeks after Sunday. We certainly have, and every game's a battle. We've got to be there. I mean, one thing that has really worked well this year is our Shield team. Uh, mm. They've had three from three, so going very Has well. that surprised you? Um, no, we had a we had a lot of talent last year, just no luck. We had a lot of injuries through last season. I think we used nearly 40 players in the uh, Ron Massey. Now, it's very hard to win a game when you're going to use that many players. Because that affects everyone down the line. It certainly does. And uh, we've got South Sydney feeding us this year, which uh, is uh, which is huge. And I have to give a good rap to South Sydney too. They've been very professional in every way that we've dealt with them. Speaking to Mick Withers, um, who's coming back and what we're doing. We don't want a huge influx of players coming back each week. We want our team with a solid base and mm. some players coming back. I think that's the key to make that work. So, yeah, very big thank you to South Sydney. How long is the arrangement then with South? Is it a year-by-year year thing for the moment? Because they have their plans too with the Heffron Centre of Excellence and the South's A-grade, etc. Yes, no, it is a year-by-year year thing at the moment, but uh, we'll have to see how that goes. And we're all both working together, uh, both clubs at the moment. So you'll have to ask South Sydney from their point of view but um, with the players coming back and being coached under Mick Withers and the training and coaching staff that we have at Hills, uh, the players are going to improve uh, week by week as well. Tell me a bit more about Mick. Um, brought to the club this year as part of uh, the change again when Paul Griffin's commitments outside of football uh, became too much for him to devote time to the coaching side of things. Um, the Heathless Strange for Letty Mateo experiment from a coaching perspective uh, was a one-year thing as well. What's Mick brought to the table here that has made a difference that you've seen so far? Uh, Mick just knows football. He's a professional. He's been there at the top level. He, met, he won three Super League Grand Finals. He won't tell you that. Um, scored three tries in one of them, I That's think, right. too. So yeah. that'll be another good interview. But uh, I don't think you'll get that out of Mick. <laughs> um, Mick. Mick was with us earlier. He's a club man. Um, he coached three C grade, three or four C grade grand finals for Hills District and won those. He went to Parramatta chasing his dream to be a coach with the 20s last year. So yep. he was assistant coach there. We were good enough to uh, get Mick back. His children all play at the club, boys and girls. So they're playing league tag, Oz tag, and rugby league. 
Uh, so he is a club man. Mick's been on the board for the last two years as well. So uh, he, he's just a great club man, great community guy. He knows how to relate to the players at the end of the day. He's been there and done it before. Um, the players just listen to. There's not too much yelling or shouting. Mick's a very calm person. And um, I've watched that through to see great guys. Mm. As soon as Mick speaks, everyone's quiet. They listen. He's got a very good football brain. But he's also got, by the sounds of things, a presence, which is important. You need to have that presence, don't you, as a coach, that you can attest to without having to go to the yelling and screaming uh, option, which is a very limited last resort option at the best of times anyway. Uh, and you can see that he's made that difference already in just the, the first few weeks. Yeah, no, when you say yelling and screaming, I think uh, Phil Gould said that last night, that you only get uh, one good shouting match a season or otherwise <laughs> you lose the team. So, um, yeah, there's a time and a place for it and the boys need it every now and then. So, um, yeah, he, he's just got that presence. Uh, he's been there, done it before. He's got a, a good track record, both coaching and playing. So mm. I can't speak highly enough of him. He's a good mate of mine as well. So champion bloke. The Sydney Shield side, before we take a break, They've started off well in our preview at the start of the season. I'll be the first to admit that I didn't have them in my top eight based on what happened last year, admittedly with the injuries and everything else, and thinking that, okay, Harry Saker, a lot was going to be resting on him at massive level, but they've come out 3-0. and Okay, some people will say they haven't beaten much, but they can only beat what's been put in front of them. And in each of those three games, they've had to dig deep at times. Last week, for instance, against Penrith Brothers. That match was still a contest with 20 minutes to go and it wasn't uh, until Penrith Brothers' lack of troops with that horrific injury to Simon Lewis caught up with them in the second half. Yeah, no, it certainly And you just was. squinted even when I just mentioned that name because that was, it was, a, it was a horrific thing to see and a horrific thing to call, let me tell you. Yeah, no, I, uh, I saw the actual injury and I uh, hope the poor young Blake's uh, okay because it wasn't uh, looking real good at the field when the ambulance turned up. But, um, yeah, going back to Shield, though, it's just their, their attitude. We've got Dan Jackson coaching this year. He's a great young bloke, too. He's been there and done it as well. He's got a lot of respect with the players and vice versa. Um, when you look at that, though, um, you're right. They didn't. Uh, they deserve that win. Their goal line defence and defence was outstanding. Go back the week before, Wentworthville were ahead twice in that game, That's right. and Hills came back. So, yeah, no, they've got a lot of talent there. And at the end of the day, they're playing as a team. So it makes they've it got points easier. in them in Shield too. They proved that the first three rounds of the season because the the Shield is a competition where you need to score a lot of points. That's been the history the last two or three years. You need to have. 30, 24 points in the locker, especially when they come up against the likes of an East Campbelltown who have set a tremendous early season pace already uh, because you know what you're going to get with them when you meet them. That, they're another very proud club with a great history in their part of Sydney. They certainly are, and they've got a, an extremely good team over there too. But, yeah, again, you look at the Shield competition, you're calling it each week with the Massey and Shield, and they're improving as well. I mean, it's just great to see the, the improvement in all, all aspects of the game. You think they cop a bad rap these competitions because others that don't see them call them park footy 
Um, it's definitely not park footy. Mm. Uh, what I'd probably suggest is you come down to Crestwood on Sunday and uh, have a look at what's going on. As you mentioned, Harry, our new halfback, he's played a couple of NRL games. He's been over to England to Ooh. further his career. Um, in saying that, I met Harry in the pre-season when we, uh, when we signed him up. He's just a great young kid too, great young bloke. And we've got uh, Dan Harrison come back. Yep. Um, he's been in England. He's played first grade before. Um, yeah, Matt Gardner. So there's a yep. few big names. And then you go back to the other players that we've had. Timmy Robinson. Dave Bowman, who's been there forever and a day. And the yep. Walpoles and, and, and the like. Um, they're not park footballers. But a lot of people want to knock these competitions and call it park football, which I find rather amusing, to say the very least. Um, but you're right. It's because they don't get out from the ivory tower of watching NRL and watch what happens uh, at this level of the game. The Lebanon side that made such an impact in that World Cup two years ago was full of Auburn Warriors, Ron Massey Cup players. It came as no surprise to those that knew the game well enough that they performed as well as they did. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, we've had a number of international representatives play through this level as well. I mean, Timmy Robson, you have a look at his track record and what he's done. Uh, he's a great player, Tim, and a great leader as well. So um, he even said after the first game, the competition's uh, not itself up a couple of levels again so as I said before it's happening every year you know the boys you're finishing September and you're back in training in November so which was unheard of at that level of the game even five years ago it is it is definitely but um, yeah if you say park football put it this way I don't think I'd like to be out there <laughs> no far from it look we'll take a break on splitters um, and we'll come back and talk about Jersey Day that's an event that has just developed a life of its own from this family, from the passing of Nathan Gremo, and we'll touch on the future of Jersey Day and the Gremo Memorial Shield when we come back after this on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM and www.triplehfm.com.au and on podcast, podcasts.com, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. We're uh, with Michael Grimo, as I mentioned, Mick to his mates and probably Michael to his wife when he's in some trouble. Uh, about the Nathan Gremo Memorial Shield, which will be played at Crestwood Reserve this coming Sunday, April the 7th, a match we are pleased as Punch to be calling on Triple H. It's a game we've wanted to call for some time. We haven't had the opportunity to do so uh, due to circumstances and the draw, but the opportunity has presented itself and we're going to give the match the respect and the coverage it deserves. But there's also another thing, uh, Michael, about uh, what's another adventure, another event that has just bloomed and mushroomed and grown a life of its own since the passing of Nathan Gremo and it's Jersey Day which is this year, get it out there right now, Friday August 30 mark it down in your diary now Friday August 30 Jersey Day 
Tell me about that. How it started, where it came from, how it's gone, where it's going. Uh, it's quite incredible how the community's got behind uh, Jersey Day, as they have with uh, the Nathan Grimo Memorial Shield. So Nathan passed away in May, um, struck by a car. 2015. And, yeah, in 2015. So that was on the Thursday. Um, we are in hospital with Nathan, myself, Kylie, Annalise and Ashley. And uh, on the Friday, Nathan was pronounced brain dead, um, which is very tough. When we first got to the hospital, um, the doctor said to us at the time that um, the only thing that's going to save Nathan is a miracle. But we pushed on and saw how we went. The next day, Nathan was pronounced brain dead on the Friday and were asked to donate Nathan's organs. And I suppose when a lot of people are asked that in that situation, it's usually an extremely healthy person like Nathan was and it's a sudden accident. So a lot of people say no. Um, myself, though, and Kylie were in the room at first and we said that um, we think that's what Nathan would want to do. We called Annalise and Ashley in and... How hard, was that? How hard was that for, the, for two young girls who were both under the age of 13 at the time? Yeah, well, they were 11 and 9, so extremely difficult, but the girls handled that extremely well. Um, they both said straight away that's something that Nathan would have wanted to do, Mum and Dad. That's just in Nathan's generous loving personality he would have loved to save someone else so um, that was quite incredible we hadn't spoken about um, organ donation previously which we'll go on to shortly um, which is the main reason or main idea behind Jersey Day Nathan actually watched a documentary only a couple of weeks before his accident and came over to us and he was speaking about organ recipients taking on the same traits as the organ donors. Mm. And I said to him, mate, don't believe everything you see on TV. And he sat me down and said, no, Dad, I've just seen three people that they've met with their families. The organ recipients has met with the organ donors' families and they were taking on new traits after they actually received the organs. So he's a 13-year-old kid um, sitting down and giving his dad a lecture of <laughs> what he's seen and how true it was, but that was just Nathan, true spirit. So, yes, we said yes to um, giving Nathan's organs away. Um, the girls actually said, Annalise and Ashley, that we really want to give Nathan's heart away. That's the biggest part of him. So um, Nathan went on to, it wasn't until the Monday that um, they had to get all the organ recipients ready. So it was a long time that we spent in hospital um, with Nathan. Um, we didn't stay, we didn't leave his side. Must have gone for an eternity that weekend. Longest weekend of your life. It, it certainly did. It certainly did. But uh, it was one of those things we, we got to spend a, a bit more time with Nathan. And, uh, yeah, Nathan went on. His heart went to someone. Um, his lungs went to someone else. Within 24 hours of the operation, both of those people were sitting up and breathing unassisted. Um, one kidney and pancreas went to someone else. Uh, he had a kidney go to someone else. And, and a baby got a part of a, something else as well. A liver, yeah, liver. So uh, another... Um, recipient received Nathan's liver and a section of liver went to um, 
went to a baby. So that baby was gravely ill and um, yeah, still going well till today. So it was quite incredible. Um, there's no better gift than you can give mm. than the gift of life. So from there, um, we spoke to the organ and tissue people and they said they don't really need money, it's government back, which is great. Um, they just need awareness, they just need to know, let people know, because there's a high, um, a high possibility when people, even if you say you want to be an organ donor, if they haven't spoken to their families, the family can actually turn that decision over. Mm. So they wanted us to get out to and, the people. And that's contrary to what was the common belief for a long time where driver's licences had organ donor, yes or no. That was removed some years ago now under the pretense of having the family make the decision for the benefit of, them, of themselves and of the person in, that's passed away. Whether that's the right thing or not, you've probably found out is uh, open to question. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. You, you, a lot of people still believe you can tick, your, tick the box on a licence if you want to be an organ donor, but that's gone. You have to actually register online. But as I say, even if you register, yes, if you're in that unfortunate situation, your family can still turn that decision over. So Jersey Day, it's purely an awareness campaign. It's not about raising any money. It's just about sitting down with your family and having that conversation. Would you like to be an organ donor or would you not? Um, and as we we always say it's okay to say no just let your family know where you're at so if your family has to make that unfortunate decision if you're in that situation at least they know what your wishes are and you know research tells us that that will um, always be a lot easier for the family to make that decision because on the other hand I did some research myself there's apparently there's right now approximately 1600 people on a waiting list Australia-wide, waiting for an organ, waiting for an opportunity, waiting for a chance uh, at life. That's a pretty long list uh, of people who, for whom the clock is ticking because they can't wait forever. No, that's exactly right. And a lot of those people are, you know, gravely ill or they're, they're going to be on dialysis for the rest of their life. So it's not a pretty life that they're, they're living. Um, we put ourselves in the reverse situation. If Nathan needed a heart or a lung to survive, you'd move heaven and earth. You'd do whatever you can to make that happen, to let your child or your loved one live. But it doesn't matter how much money you've got or what you've got or people that you know, it comes back down to a, a generous family or someone like Nathan that donates his organs and you know Nathan he saves six people and obviously through Jersey Day and Nathan's legacy he's going on to save a lot more people as well. So take us through Jersey Day it was first the first Jersey Day was what I understand in 2016 I believe no oh, so 20, 2015 2015 so yeah it was only a couple of months um, mm. after Nathan's passing so um, my family uh, were absolutely incredible. Um, what they did and everyone got together so it took a lot of getting together and we put it out there and then we went to the different people that we know um, and Jersey Day where did it come from? Um, most Australians love sport so it's just an idea Nathan loves sport he loves 
love the uniform. So it was something very fitting for Nathan. So jersey, it's a simple thing that you just don your jersey on jersey day every year. If you can't make jersey day with your school or workplace, sort up, sort out another day. It's just a day where everyone can think about it and then go home to their family and friends and it starts up that conversation. How important is it that you stress that it's not fundraising because whilst it's important for all the other days that we have during the year, they're primarily fundraisers at the end of the day because they don't get the backing that organ and tissue donation has and so they have to come at it from a different angle. How important is that difference in, for want of a better term, selling Jersey Day and making it the success it has become? You know, I think it's a huge difference because it's just purely awareness. So it's not someone asking for money again. As you say, all of those causes are, are great causes and we donate to a lot of them as well. So they are great causes, but we just wanted this purely about awareness, um, not a money-making organisation. I mean, we've got our own family community fund that we do now. We've changed, it to the Nathan, changed the name to the Nathan Grimmo Community Fund. So we raise a lot of money for a lot of different charities and we build a lot of things for people just to help people out. That's just the way we were brought up. But uh, this, we just wanted to still just try and keep it just purely about awareness, and it is working. Um, the, the community support, the people that we know, how everyone's got behind it has been enormous. So it's, it's quite touching um, to feel that the community would get behind us and, and do that. We've got a Not just the local community either. I'm talking all of Sydney, all of New South Wales, and now it's, be it's become an Australia-wide thing where you have contact with people in every state on the mainland in fact, all the states and territories that get involved in this. Yeah, no, it certainly has. Um, it, it's become huge. I mean, it's even overseas now. So family and friends that are overseas, they're pushing it with their contacts. So it's quite easy to send some information. And I mean, if you get on jerseyday.com.au, um, we've got all the information that you can get. And that's, and that's J-E-R-S-E-Y. That's the spelling of jerseys because there are a few different versions out there. So it's J-E-R-S-E-Y. E-R-S-E-Y-D-A-Y, one word, .com.au. Yeah, so quite incredible. I mean, um, we had the last, the two Prime Ministers, um, they've donned the jersey. They've actually put Nathan's jersey on. We've had the Governor-General put Nathan's jersey on. We've had Winx, the world's best, <laughs> world's most famous racehorse, put a uh, his silks on and um, promote Jersey Day. So we've had the Wiggles. Um, it's actually you know, quite incredible how we've approached a few people or people know people and they're getting these people behind us. So more and more people each year and these people obviously have got different organisations that they go to. So it's uh, quite incredible how the community works together. It's a great networking exercise. What's planned? for this year that you can perhaps reveal at this stage or is it still in the planning uh, for Friday, August 30? What's going to be um, the show-stopping uh, point for Jersey Day this year? Yeah, well, the Thursday night game before that, the NRL's got right behind us, which is great. Um, we've got uh, Ray Warren, a great friend of the family. He's been very supportive, so... He's uh, always in behind us and promoting it through Rugby League. We've 
we've got uh, the Parramatta Eels and Canterbury Bulldogs this year. So that's the Jersey Day game on the Thursday before Jersey Day. So that will be a good start and lead up to the game. And then we'll no doubt... The traditional rivals? Yeah, yeah, no, it's always a great game, isn't it? So um, Parramatta, I mean, Nathan supports Parramatta and so does the family and most of the family. We've got a few Brisbane Broncos supporters in there, but we won't go there. So, yeah, no, it's... Uh, Sacrilege, Brisbane. <laughs> and the two boys that support Brisbane, actually, they're Young Hills Bulls coming through too, so... Gee, well, um, that's that, that's another story. But so that's Friday, August thirty. T- mark it down in your diary now. There'll be more on that website, www.jerseyday.com.au, and wear your jersey to work on Friday, August the thirtieth. Okay, you might think, uh, Mick, that it's months into the future, but that will come up. Friday, August thirty, will come around very quickly. It certainly will. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that we're planning next year's Jersey Day at the finish of the first one. So a lot of planning and effort goes into it. Um, we always go to all the politicians and ask them to don a jersey and then get it out to their local community. So everyone's behind it. doesn't matter if you're uh, Labor or Liberal or Greens or whoever you vote for. And uh, it's something that uh, most religions, actually, it's quite incredible. Most religions support organ donation. Have you found that, actually? Because there are some religions that may not, or you may have run into some sort of resistance with some of the more orthodox religions out there, but how touching is that support been? Yeah, no, quite incredible. There's only there's only one or two religions that don't support organ donation, which is which is fair enough. Again, it's like saying yes or no to organ donation. Everyone's got mm. their right, and that's the Australian way. Too. And that's the most important thing. We're not pushing people to donate if they don't feel they 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 want to or need to. But the conversation is there and that conversation with the with those various religious groups has probably been eye-opening. It has. Um, I mean, we learn new stats every year that we do it and going through it. So, yes, there's schools and workplaces right across Australia that are donning the jerseys and um, Nathan would be extremely proud to see, you know, what Australia's doing, especially his local community. It's, would he be slightly embarrassed that it's all in his name, maybe? Well, Nathan, Nathan's very... Uh, was with himself. He was never out there. Um, I mean, I've done more radio and television interviews <laughs> since Nathan's passing and Jersey Day. I'm a very reserved person, but mm. um, I've had to come out of that comfort zone just to, uh, you know, you, you're promoting a good cause. And you know, How have you found that personally, having to come out and take on this persona that you never thought you had? Yeah, I, I suppose we're reserved people. We don't like to be out there, but... Um, when it's for a good cause and you're saving lives and uh, it's, you know, my son's legacy now. So we want people to remember Nathan Grimmer and what he stood for. It wasn't just donating organs. It was uh, the person he was, a great young kid. Indeed. All right. That takes us back then to the future of the Nathan Grimmer Memorial Shield itself. It'll be the fifth edition this coming Sunday, April the 7th. Um, if you can't make it to Crestwood, you can listen to our call on Triple H, but what are the future plans for the Grebo now, for the actual Grebo Memorial Shield? We, we can see that Jersey Day is going to take off and have a life of its own going into the future. But what about, from a local perspective, bringing it back down to the basics, the Nathan Grebo Memorial Shield, which is the 
community event, the club event, the family event. Um, what's the future of the Grimmer Memorial Shield? I mean, that'll be up to the Hills District Bulls at the end of the day. Um, if we want to continue the Nathan Grimmer Memorial Shield, which I'm sure we will, and as long as Guildford will continue to support us, which as I say, they're a great club and they've always looked after us in that and show a, a great deal of respect both on and off the field. So um, it will keep going. It's growing every year. Um, more and more people down there, which on Sunday, um, I'm sure we'll see the major crowd at Crestwood. Uh, Come down and you can have a beverage on the hill. Uh, we're Quail Burger. We're supported by Game Farms, so mm -hmm. not many fields you can go to and get a, a famous Quail Burger as well. Correct. Absolutely. All right. Um, the one saying that he's now become famous for, uh, Nathan, um, something that I found extremely profound that he wrote. You've heard it over and over again how people have said it, you know, you only live once, but if you do it right... Once is enough. Uh, he mentioned that just hours before uh, his tragic passing. Do you sometimes think back and think, gee, Nathan was someone special who had premonitions of things like this and could see things like that coming, who gave you lectures on organ donation of all things after watching and absorbing things on television. You're probably learning more about him now in death than you did in life. Yeah, no, that was um, Nathan's last Instagram post. So um, we weren't a part of Instagram. I wouldn't know how to turn Instagram on. But uh, these are You're all not things. missing out on too much, just quietly. I'm old school like yes. you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was his last post, which a lot of his um, friends come and showed us after Nathan's passing. And, you know, I think I said in his eulogy that uh, young Nathan's, you know, wise beyond his years. And did he know something? something that we didn't know. Nathan was always in a rush to do everything. Um, he was quite incredible. He, he went water skiing, got up on two skis, he wanted to get up on one ski, the next thing he was asking, Dad, when can I barefoot? Just settle down, mate. We've got to, uh, got to get one thing right at a time. But that was just Nathan. He wanted to do so much and cram so many things in. Um, you know, he, he was scuba diving with sharks. He was 11 years old, so quite incredible what he did. And it wasn't until I actually wrote his eulogy that I sat down and saw the different things that I did with Nathan. He was uh, four years old when he watched his first grand final. Um, he was actually supporting the Tigers at the time, believe it or not. The 05 grand final? Yeah, so his first grand final was a four-year four year old, 2005. Nathan went to the grand final and um, his team won. And I said, mate, as a Parramatta supporter, it doesn't happen like this. Don't get too excited. So that was quite incredible. It took us a few years to... Uh, Talk to Nathan or con him in and come over to the Parramatta Eels that our family has always supported, which he did. I've still been waiting since 1986 for Parramatta to come back and win a grand final. Well, they now have the longest stretch of any team in the competition now that Cronulla won their comp after 50 years. It has been a long time between drinks, that's for sure. And indeed. Do you still feel... Oh, no, this is a silly question. Do you still feel Nathan's presence now, today, and the things you do when you go back your business? You know, just different things happen um, all the time. The girls, we always speak about it. Something will happen and one of Nathan's favourite songs will pop up on the radio. Um, yeah, just, just different coincidences like that. Um, 
you know, I didn't believe in things like that previously, but um, so many things have happened since Nathan's passing um, to all of us at different times. It's uh, quite incredible. You're feeling down sometimes and one of Nathan's favourite songs will come on. So quite incredible. Another thing, um, Nathan was a bit of a Ocker Aussie. He obviously got that from his mother, not his father. So he wrote on the day he passed away on his uh, forearm, he had Australia pride and his beloved Southern Cross on it. And I actually turned his arm over in hospital and saw it. Um, we've never we've seen him. It was written in texter. We've seen the Southern Cross on him previously, but um, never heard of Australia pride. So that was something in 2015 at the Sydney Shield team at the time where he was ball boy. They put that on his jersey, on their jerseys, and played the grand final. We lost that grand final to Wentworthville that yes, year. Yes, remember that. Yep, called that game. So remember the boys, um, whenever they were down, down and out, the call was Gremo on the field. So quite touching. Even at Crestwood, the boys running out to the field each week that they play. Um, there's a photo of Nathan above the door. So mm. a lot of the boys put their hand up and give him high five on the way out. So. Because that's the most important thing that we need to touch on before we go. The fact that this is a family club. Your father was very much at the forefront of founding, founding the place back in the day, whenever it was. Um, you've carried on that tradition now as the president, the current president. And your son was clearly going to have a, a, a big place in the future of the club. Uh, on the field, but he has a big place in the future of the club off the field now with this match and Jersey Day and other things with his spirit around the place, isn't it? Yeah, no, I mean, we've been long entrenched in the Hills Bulls, obviously, my father starting the club. Um, you know, he was on the board and uh, getting involved. We had uncles and cousins playing, uh, myself, Andrew, Richard and David, my brothers, they all played for the club. We've coached at the club. Nathan then played. Currently, Jet and Kobe are playing and my brother David's coaching them. So, extremely long history in the club. I mean, uh, Nathan, he was born with uh, Hills Bulls blood in his veins, but it's one of those things Nathan really embraced it. Uh, he was playing soccer originally, couldn't wait to start playing rugby league. And How did he get into soccer? Oh, that's one of those things. We always <laughs> encourage the kids to do whatever they want. So started soccer as a, a four-year-old, and I don't think mum was really impressed when he went over to the Hills Bulls um, and started playing rugby league, but he was playing in the convent comp on the Sundays at the time, so mm. soccer Saturday. That's a, that's a blast from the past, because that comp's been long gone, the convent comps, jeez. Yeah, well, no, they're still, still playing it. I don't know if it's a convent comp, it's probably the, uh, the wrong name for it, but the, mm. the Sunday comp, so yep. it's the Catholic comp. They, yep. they play. So, yeah, started that. And then um, once that finished, he wanted to play rugby league. So he went down to the Hills Bulls and um, got involved in there. And from there, ball boy helping out around the club. Nathan, uh, you know, he helped me when we had our Hills 50th reunion in 2013. We wrote a book. So Nathan was extremely helpful, helping me research and get photos and things like that for it. So 
he just embraced the club. He loved it. He loved the the teamship, the mateship with all of uh, the guys down there. And you know, he had a, a special place in the Shield boy's heart. That um, you've got this little cheeky ball boy that the guys embraced, and um, the boys still do it now. I've got Ashley, my youngest daughter. She's taken over, so she's a ball girl for the Ron Massey team. And and I bet and what she's telling the the boys where they go wrong from time to time. I'm no, no doubt. She doesn't muck around. She's a spit out of Nathan's mouth. So, yes, she is giving them a bit of advice. But again, would have been giving them plenty of advice on Sunday. Last Sunday against Brothers, I would have thought. Yes, 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 definitely. But, I mean, these are wonderful stories of rugby league, which, you know, I'd like to re- see reported in the media more rather than what happens um, on the front page and the back page of the newspapers. And don't get me wrong, those things are wrong and they shouldn't be done. But there's that many amazing things getting done through the NRL, some of the players and coaching staff etc what they do that people don't know about is quite incredible but then you go right back down to you know your own Massey team that's a senior team and the Sydney Shield team for Hills District but they're going down we've got players in there coaching junior teams within the club so some of those kids and the way they embrace the ball boys the ball mm. girls the juniors on the on the weekend they're wonderful stories and you know does it, we, does it upset you that those stories don't get reported by the mainstream media because they're always looking to as I say trivialise the sensational and sensationalise the trivial yes yeah, so that's a very good point and it's not just about sport, it's other things that happen in the media accidents and people doing the wrong things, um, you watch the news and you know, sometimes I just turn it off, it's full of negativity yeah. it'd be wonderful to find some good stories and tell the good stories out there because there, there are some fantastic stories of what people are doing in the community. And that's where we come in, we feel that at Triple H games, events and days like this fit like a hand in glove, the notion of community radio because that's the future, no doubt about that. Speaking of which, um, this Sunday, April the 7th, uh, you suggest, Mick, that people get to Crestwood early to get a decent seat because if they get there too late, they're going to be standing somewhere. Most definitely. We've got 1 o'clock Sydney Shield, 3 o'clock Ron Massey. Uh, we'll have a presentation prior to the Ron Massey game, but uh, bring your picnic blanket or your chair down or we've got the concrete grandstand that you can sit there and uh, enjoy some good footy, bring the family and friends down and enjoy the jumping castle and the other things we have ready for the kids on the weekend. And if you can't make it for whatever reason, do the next best thing and tune into our call. I think we're the first radio station to be calling at Grimmer Memorial Shield from memory. Absolutely uh, are. Um, we've been wanting to do it for a heck of a long time. We've called New South Wales Cup Grand Finals, Sydney Shield Grand Finals, Ron Massey Grand Finals, Sydney First Grade Cricket T20 Finals days at the SCG, but this has been on the bucket list to call, I can tell you, at Triple H for a long, long time. Time. And I'll leave you with this. You want to talk about things opening up? We were supposedly going to Asquith this coming Sunday. That was the original draw. But in the last 48 hours, Asquith, for reasons known to themselves, have moved their game to Saturday this weekend, which, of course, you can hear on Triple H. And the opportunity has presented itself to call this match on Sunday. I'm really looking forward
looking forward to going there and calling my first Grimo and hopefully not my last. Michael Grimo, my thanks for your time on Splinters. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday at Crestwood. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. I'd like to thank the Splinters, Splinters program and Triple H. Much appreciated. That's all for Splinters. Until we meet again, it's goodbye for now. 